welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell. We're here to talk about the 14-game slate here on the, the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 22nd. Uh, DJ, how you doing? How was your Monday, and are you ready for the 14-game extravaganza uh, across the NHL on Wednesday? Yeah, but Monday was tilting. Uh, JT Miller, I don't think I, think I need to say more. Um is what it is. We'll got corrected. He had three, whatever, who cares? We're moving on. Um, we'll see if any of that stuff pays out. DFS was kind of close. I played my two top stacks from the podcast. They both were pretty good, but I played Igor with it and he was pretty bad. Plus uh, I just didn't get there all the way. Um, I could share my lineup with anyone that wants to see it. It was just uh, a close, but no cigar. And I know you had a even better lineup than me and Igor killed it. And you didn't plan on playing Igor. Like I was in on Igor. I was going all the way. And I feel like you got like convinced to play him, right? I mean, I never planned to play any goalie really. So yeah, I was yeah. just, so, I mean, I went into lock with Wedwood and then I was like, well, if I use these couple hundred dollars, I can get up to JJ Moser over Justin Schultz, which actually wound up like saving me. So obviously yeah, yeah. Wedwood would have been fine too, but Moser put up nine or whatever. And you know, yeah, I, I literally just snuck across the cash line, but it was very frustrating with Igor. Um, because the Colorado guys I had, you know, no rant, no McKinnon. So you know, Nichushkin and Makar just nuked, but didn't get that final goal that they very well could have with the empty net or in overtime that they didn't get to see. Uh, Cody Glass doesn't do anything else after getting the bonus. Um, and then LA1 just falls flat while Igor is going, you know, backwards. So I thought I had a chance at the top, only finished like 20 points out of the top, but that was still like, you know, on the cash line. It was just a very low scoring slate. And that's the ones where I tend to do better, you know, historically. So um, you know, it's upsetting, but it is what it is. You know, when LA doesn't get there, clearly when you full stack a top line, like you're lucky to make any money. Um, when Kempi gets 1.3. So uh it came out a winner and uh we'll you know move on to Wednesday here. So yep. So on Wednesday we have 14 games. Let's not take too long here. I'm gonna run through them quickly. Edmonton at Carolina, Edmonton continuing to find ways to lose uh the media finding ways to piss off Connor mcdavid they go to carolina they are underdogs makes a lot of sense they were like pick them i know we talked about that that edmonton and florida were uh, like a pick them and edmonton gets up two nothing and and whatnot but uh yeah they are road dogs as expected in a six and a half stopping um, you there uh check your emails because i did a uh i did a newsletter on tuesday i, I fixed the edmonton oilers um i also did one on monday too uh so you know if you subscribe to my newsletter or um just follow me on twitter you'll be able to see my wow. two posts there um but that yeah sounds great I, yeah so yeah. i could just subscribe to that by going to your twitter and clicking on your beehive and i could just give put my you know just and come right to my email that sounds yeah, really yeah. Good. you you just give me your email and I sell it <laughs> for a millions of dollars move to a private island and give you uh you know things like fixing the Edmonton Oilers yeah yeah Matt is just a, a couple more subscribers away from that kind of uh that materializing anyways moving on um I am excited to read that by the way I did actually queue that up um but I haven't read it yet we have Boston at Florida uh, Boston is very, very slight favorites on the road in Florida. The six over under Boston rolling, Florida rolling rematch of the fabled first round playoff matchup. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. I definitely look forward to keeping an eye on that game. 
Chicago at Columbus in the game of the night. Everyone's favorite. It's the Connor Bedard Bowl versus the Anna Ventilli Bowl. Uh, where I don't know, whatever you want to call it. The Toilet Bowl, if you will. Um, Blue Jackets are a bigger favorite than I thought they'd be as they've not won a game in, I believe, this decade. Uh, minus 148 seemed a little bit interesting. I'm definitely going to look into it on this site called puckluck.com. If you haven't heard of it, uh, definitely check it out. If you have heard of it, uh, look at it again, and that's going to determine if I bet it or not. Pretty high total. I do think Bedard at 7,200 is interesting, but we're going to talk about that when we go game by game. Uh, New Jersey at Detroit. Nico Heeshear was back on the ice. Timo Mayer not expected to play. Heeshear definitely seems like a game-time decision at this point. Was not practicing on a power play, but was on the penalty kill, so kind of weird. Um, Detroit looks to be 11-7, and seven, and it looks like Wallman will return, but power play uh, was back to line one plus Goss Despair plus Perron, so normal-ish from the beginning of the year as well. Um, again, that game is we'll get to. And on the books, it is one of the higher totals. It's a minus 135, six and a half. So I do think it's an interesting one. Devils are pretty big road favorites as of right now, which I also found odd because they just haven't looked great. But Jack Hughes is back. So, you know, it's a new team. The Rangers are at the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't think I had seen a team get this many injuries from one game uh, in recent memory. I mean, the Penguins had like five injuries and all of them sounded pretty bad. So definitely keep an eye on that. The Penguins right now are very, very slight underdogs at home, minus 108 to minus 112 against the Rangers, who are coming off a pretty brutal loss to the Dallas Stars, as we kind of alluded to. Um, but yeah, that game is could have some value, could have some interest. Uh, you know, Rust and Raquel being two of the guys coming out aren't, you know, the, the power play could stay intact, but still that might move up a player into a it has to move up a player into a top six role. So keep an eye on that for sure. Um, I don't think there's anything major on the Rangers side of things. Uh, nothing, no one coming back of note yet. Winnipeg at the Tampa Bay lightning. This one also priced pretty close to a pick em. a lot of very close to pick a lot of six and a half minus one's twenties. And then this fits right in that category. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a game that, people could be targeting, uh, especially because Kucherov continues to be absolutely world beating. Uh, he didn't score, but still had an 18 fantasy point night with seven shots on goal. Guy is just absolutely shooting nonstop. And that Tampa team looked honestly really good against Boston. So, uh, you know, we'll get to that game. Um, Winnipeg is also pretty one line. And I mean, I don't want to say Tampa's one line dimensional, but like you kind of know where it's coming from. Kyle Connor is leading the league in goal scoring. I think he might be tied now. He's right around there. Um, 14 goals and 8,500. So it's really expensive, but I do find that game to be at least interesting. Buffalo is at Washington. Um, you know, no Tage. We're expecting Kuznetsov back. Uh, you know, McMichael could be a guy to at least take a look at if he stays on that top power play, which definitely could run away. Um, Sabres are, I don't know. It's it. They're not very expensive. I feel like at least comparatively to normal in this matchup, but you know, we'll get to it. Uh, I don't think there's any major notes on either side that I'm missing right now. Uh, but yeah, definitely expecting because that's off back. The flyers are at the Islanders. Um, I guess, well, I guess I didn't mention the money line. Washington's a home favorite. It's a six total, which I, Washington has been, just been so good defensively that that makes some sense. They just are not allowing goals. Um, anyways, Philly is at the Islanders. 
in another six total. Uh, this one had you know, profiles to be a low, low scoring from the books, but I believe we'll have it as like more volume that could exist. I uh, didn't see anything other than risk aligning could be back. Like he's in a full contact sweater. I don't think that moves the needle in any capacity. He's 3,300. I assume even if he's back, it's not worth it. I know he can block the puck, but so can like every defenseman on that team. Um, and like Cam York is right there. So yeah, nothing crazy to note on either side there. Unless if you saw something I'm missing. Okay. I doubt it. Uh, no. St. Louis and Arizona. Another six, minus 120. So another one of the lower scoring type totals on the slate. We did see Sunquist move up to the top power play in St. Louis, and that will seemingly stick. So there's some elite, not I didn't say elite value. There's just some, you know, there is some $2,500 power play one that exists in this game that we'll have to talk about. Um, the, yeah, the JJ Moser, I, I feel like he was actually decently popular. Uh, 3,600, you know, there's, there's some guys here. I feel like that we can talk about like Tory Krug, et cetera. Like it's a cheap game and there's some value, but I don't think this profile is unbelievably well. The flames are at the Nashville predators. The predators are losing Cody glass to the IR again. So no Novak, no glass power play roll up for grabs. We're going to have to keep an eye on who that goes to. Um, Calgary, I'm assuming will be much of the same. They won in overtime against Seattle uh, when Rasmus, Rasmus Anderson goal. So I get, I'm guessing they'll stay with their top nine intact, but we didn't get lines there. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out definitely for Nashville and who pops in, but we'll get to that game. Obviously it is a uh, six over under and it's uh, essentially a dead pick em. Vegas is at the Dallas stars. The stars coming off a huge win are decent favorites at minus minus one thirty five against the Vegas team that I refuse to bet against. And I know Matt does as well. This is, you know, as of right now, these are the two top teams in the West, I believe. I don't think that's even all that up for debate. Uh, I think it's standings and just the way they've both been playing. It's not that expensive of a game outside of Jack Eichel and you know, Petrangelo, but um, I don't really think a lot of ownership will go to it just because both of these teams play pretty sound defensively. Uh, yeah, Dallas was threw everything into a blender for whatever reason against the Rangers, and it worked. So uh, that was Duchesne, Sagan, Marchment. Robertson, Johnston, Dadanoff, Hints, Ben, Bavelski. They freaking woke Jamie Ben up somehow. So riddle yourself that one after we just talked about how that guy stunk. It'll happen. Um, anyways, moving on. It's a six over under, uh, by the way, if I didn't mention it. Montreal at the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, this, I think, is where we start to get into some of the, you know, the late night interesting games because there's definitely a lot of interest I have in, in these final two or three games. Uh, Montreal, no Harvey Pinard lines, uh, look, I retweeted them, just look them up, but it's a six and a half over under the ducks are slight favorites. Leo Carlson practiced as normal. So we're kind of expecting the Carlson, you know, all these guys to be playing. I, I guess my interest is like, it feels expensive because all of these guys have come up in price, including, you know, your Cole Caulfields, your Vetranos, obviously even like Troy Terry, who has not done anything in like three games, uh, is also priced up. Uh, but this matchup does at least intrigue me. So, so we'll definitely get to it. I don't think there was anything outside of uh, Jordan Harris going to the IR for Montreal, and that could open up a few more minutes defensively. But other than that, there's nothing slate breaking. Also, Caden Cooley's 5K. Holy crap. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Vancouver at the Colorado Avalanche. We get the McCarr Quinn Hughes Bowl, everyone's favorite debate for who's going to win the Norris this year. 
I mean, everything's probably about the same as last game for both teams. Although, as you alluded to, and if you didn't see it, I mean, NHL.com, I know on their Instagram posted a video of like the, what was it, like 38 second collapse. It's comical, like very worth the watch. If you didn't see how Colorado blew that game against Nashville, it is, it's very worth watching. Um, So yeah, this game, I think it's interesting. It's one of the higher totals, six and a half. Um, there is actually no seven listed right now. So this is like tied for the second highest total on the slate at minus 125, six and a half. Avalanche are pretty big home favorites against Vancouver, who I think we both would agree have been, you know, outperforming expectation. And then all of their players are way more points than they probably should. And that is reflective in their pricing. And on the Colorado side, you know, they are performing. Um, and guys like Valerie Nertushkin, you've got to think, man, they got to be pricing this guy up, right? He's just nonstop breaking slates. They actually priced him down a hundred to 5,200 instead of 53, like last slate. So the Nertushkin chalk will continue. Um, in the last game, we have a six over under San Jose Sharks, Seattle Kraken, Kraken are monster favorites. The lineup looks very similar. We're going to get to this one because Seattle is real freaking cheap. <laughs> they they did not move the pricing very much at all. So will Seattle be chalky on a 14 game slate? Who is to say we will up next, Matt, anything you wanted to say before we go game by game on this? Marathon no, that, that's, that's the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, I'm on Twitter at fake moods. DJ is at underscore Mitchell 94. And uh, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, no, please. Let's uh, actually get started here. Um, Edmonton at Carolina. Um, yeah, we have some real, real fun stuff with somehow Jacob Slavin's getting power play one, uh, work instead of Burns. Um, kind of seems like Tony D'Angelo might miss this game. Um, you know, they were pairing Chatfield with, uh, Orlov. So like, I don't know, (laughs) that seems worthwhile if Slavin's going to be power play one. Um, we know that he's a decent rates guy. Like this season, he's been very, very good. Um, at getting pucks on goal, he's going to block shots. Like, yeah, Brent Burns has slightly better shot attempt metrics, but honestly, like, Slavin's not that far off. Um, and again, power play one against Edmonton, you got to consider it. So keep an eye out for Tony D'Angelo. That's the main area I'm interested in, though. Uh, how about up front? Anything interests you on the Carolina side of the house? Yeah, it should. <laughs> I mean, you just gave a very clear, easy reason they're playing Edmonton. Um, I just don't know what. I mean, it should be what Nachos still with Feshnikov and Kakanyemi, Jarvis with Aho and Teravainen to our knowledge at this point. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at last game. I uh, I, uh, haven't seen any updates. I haven't seen any um, updates. Based on last game, that's what they've rolled out. Yes. Yeah. I can't imagine that changes. And like, it's not that expensive. Like Feshnikov and Nachos are pretty premium names not correlated on the first power play at 5,300 for Sveshnikov and 5K for Nachos. And like, I've wanted to be early on Sveshnikov for a while. He's still goalless through nine games played, which is certainly concerning to say the absolute least. Um, Nachos as well has been a bit of a disappointment. I was pretty high on him going into the year and 12 points in 17 games is just not the elite output that I was expecting from him. Jarvis kind of seems like we're, you know, he's kind of right in the same ballpark with them, but I feel like he's shooting more, but it, it really, at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm kind of talking myself into a circle here. It is, it is tough to fall in love 
Is that fair enough? Yes. Um, you know, the the Edmonton underlying certainly took a hit with that Florida game. Uh, over the last 10, they are slightly below league average defensively. And we know the Carolina is going to be pretty good. So while Edmonton should be able to produce offensively, um, you know, this is a Carolina team that ranks among the, the tops of the league, um, you know, with their defensive metrics, uh, looks like just eyeballing the slate, they're like third or fourth best, you know, using expected goals against as, as the metric of interest. Um, and the Edmonton prices remain very, very high without much end in sight as far as uh, the absolute just, you know, blunderish nonsense that goes on with this Edmonton team. So I'm finding it really hard to dig in on anyone in particular. Um, I've just been playing Evander Kane, like just, you know, one off Evander Kane, um, which, you know, has worked. <laughs> he's been He's been awesome. He's continuing to shoot a bunch and the goals are coming with it. Uh, to me, he's, you know, the, the non-dry sidle, he's the best goal scorer on the team. So, like, I have no problem paying less than 6K for that in any situation. Um, but in this matchup, you know, is Seth Jarvis for 200 less better? Is Fetchnikov on power play two, you know, for, for uh, 500 less better? Or is Nechas on the power play one, um, but with, you know, a bit less of a floor than you would like, you know, is he better for 800 less? I don't know. Um to me, I think it's still like a Vander Kane if I'm trying to pick a one-off here. Um, but I I could see myself getting tempted by the second line in particular with Kokaniemi and Svechnikov. Uh, you mix that with Brent Burns, who's sub 5K. Um, and you might have yourself a little, you know, a little winner there. But yeah, not, not overly interested. Burns is coming off of some sort of illness. He didn't miss any games, but he said like, uh, there's a quote where he said like he didn't sleep for five days, which uh, seems like it might hurt you for hockey uh, purposes. But the dude shooting a ton, you know, the 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 article I wrote on Monday was basically digging into shot rates. And I was absolutely floored to see that if Burns continues his five on five shot rate he has through 17 games, like on a per minute basis, uh, he would set a new career high, which, you know, in case you need a refresher uh, between the years of like 2016 and 2018, this dude finished like 250 shot attempts above second place, like, you know, among defensemen. Like, I mean, this dude has been a shot monster his entire career, and somehow this is his high watermark. Um, 4,800 just doesn't make sense, but obviously none of those shots are getting on that. You know, I wrote about a few reasons why that's the case, but um, yeah, I could totally see myself going with that just cheap mid-tier um, elite talent in Svechnikov in particular in this matchup, but would prefer Evander as a one-off. So decently interested in this game, but let's move on. Yep. Boston, Florida. Um, it, it is tough for many reasons. Uh, Barkoff, I mean, day to day, let's not even speculate. We really don't know. I'd be a bit surprised personally, but we're going to find out tomorrow. And that's what the reporters were saying. And I try, I trust they know more than me. It's expensive. I mean, Matt, the truck is down to 7,700 and, and I definitely get it. Um, three goals, 14 assists, should he be scoring more? I say probably, you know, it doesn't make a, a number. I mean, it really is just like Matt, the truck and Brady, the truck, like freaky Friday or something. And like now Brady's getting the scoring and Matt, the truck isn't like, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't think the players changed all that much, but yet the output does kind of have to speak for itself. At some point he's been unlucky as a fantasy player. He's still shooting over seven attempts per game on the season. And, and as of late continued to shoot the points haven't followed. They changed things up. They put him back with Verhage. 
uh, and Bennett. They put Lindell, Reinhardt, and Erod. Or Luther Reynan, right? Uh, yes, if they keep the lines from last game. It was Reinhardt, E2, Lindell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So could could you consider Verhage and Matt Vichuk? I think in most circumstances, yes. Uh, 6,100 Verhage. Like, that makes so much sense. And power play one. You have Montour. You have Ekman. They're playing Boston. Are you going to spend all your cap here? I'm not interested. Exactly. So uh, there's the notes on Florida. Tough noodles for them, as I do love the, the like, I like that correlation and that pricing a ton. Don't like the matchup enough to play it. What say you on the Boston side? Um, I think Boston's a little expensive too. I'm cool. just, I'm not overly uh, willing to like spend a ton of money on, you know, uh, it's, I'm honestly not willing to spend a ton of money on any spot on this slate. Like there's just, I mean, I mean, obviously every team but four is in play. So like every team on the slate is going, um, I just don't really see a need to muck around this like 2,500 to 3k range for dudes. Um, when there's so many mid tier options that just are very, very good fantasy producers. Um, so I get it, you know, you're, you're chasing upside in tournaments and could those, you know, could Pasternak be the guy you had to have who puts up a 45? Like, sure. Yeah, he could. Um, but I'm not really willing to sacrifice the rest of my roster to, uh, further that end. So, perfect. um, yeah, nothing else really to, to say, uh, with Montour back, you know, it's worth checking on the minutes there, uh, 24 and 23 in the first two games back, uh, they're very much, uh, using Ekman Larson and Kulikov as their third pair at five on five, um, where Ekman Larson just gets some minute security because of the power play one job. Um, but yeah, uh, basically, you know, Ekblad remains pretty cheap. He's a yeah. decent play for yeah. double I, bonus I will... last game. Yep. I played it. I thought I was the sharpest person in the world. Um, although, you know, you kind of look into those things sometimes because I thought I saw 4,200 against Edmonton. I'm like, man, does Edmonton ever want to get Ekblad the bonus and uh, on blocks? And they did, but shots too. He, yeah, I mean, 6.5 attempts per game in the first two games back is intriguing. Not power play one is less intriguing, but yeah, 4K, I think you have to mention it. And it's yeah, like the freaking McCola scores too, and you're just probably sitting here if you played Ekblad, like myself thinking, come on, Ekblad, you couldn't have done one of those, just I've broken the slate for me, but alas. Yeah, the other thing with Montour and Ekman Larson both playing on the top unit is you're never going to run into a situation where, you know, uh, where Ekblad gets Ovid or, you know, whatever you want to say, where, um, where the basically where Matt Kachuk stays on the power play the entire time. Like that's just what he does. And sometimes that would mean, you know, oh, if Ekblad's the second defenseman on the second unit, maybe he's not out there and, you know, Kachuk's in his place. Um, that's not happening. So, like, yeah, I think that means Ekblad's a pretty, uh, decent candidate um for just inclusion in your lineups at 4k so yeah that's the one piece i'll consider from this game yeah chicago Chicago. yep you go yeah chicago chicago columbus uh seth jones off the top power play kevin korchinski up on the top power play um this is a wait and see for me uh korchinski is not flashed anywhere close to uh fantasy reliability so even if he does get a three-point game god forbid there's a very real chance he puts up 18 or 19.5, which like, yeah, that would super, yeah, would be super helpful, but you can replace that and you're not getting buried by him. Um, so while it's nice, you know, I just don't really think it's worth it at this point that the dude doesn't block shots. He's not really taking shots either. Um, 
and you know i i just think there's better ways to build on this slate so again keep an eye on it because he is a very talented prospect he doesn't really flash a ton of shot upside through his juniors career and obviously his nhl uh tenure so far has been very fantasy unfriendly so uh worth noting there otherwise um getting to the main event lucas reichel and Connor Verdard paired up at five on five uh, and on the top power play Reichel in the bumper at 3,100. Yeah. Uh, you can consider it. It's basically the same deal as Gorchinski though, in that like, you know, it's a pretty thin play, but that's much more likely to, you know, really help you out because, you know, Reichel could score a goal and guess what? If he scores two goals, and gets an assist, even if it's just on two shots, that's going to be, you know, a uh, put away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Reichel more than Korchinski. I imagine though that those two with Bedard will be relatively popular here. So I'm I'm a little hesitant myself to chase Connor Bedard um, at 7200. Uh, Columbus has not been as bad as you might think, given uh, given the yeah. fucking circus they've been. Um, so like you know, it's just a little bit dicey to go all in on Chicago here into what I think will be relatively uh, decent ownership. Yeah, I, I honestly have the same take. It, I am interested in Chicago, but I'm more interested in Columbus, weirdly enough. And it's for a, a lot of the reasons you're already starting to get to. And, and really, the fact that they haven't had good output has just led to the pricing coming down more and more and more. And like Gaudreau, who is seemingly back to life, is 4,600. I mean, if you liked him at where he started the year at like 6,300, uh, you were very disappointed. But 4,600 for his role does seem at least interesting enough. He's been shooting a bit more Jenner and more Ch- and Marchenko at five on five. We didn't get power plays uh, and they've been changing them and they've been removing guys like Fantilli from them, which isn't fun. Um, you might be wondering, well, who's with Fantilli with not Marchenko. You're right. He's with Patrick line at five on five. So a couple ways of going about it. Both of them are interesting to me. You have a preference. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm out on Columbus. I them breaking up Fantilli or uh, Fantilli Marchenko and Voronkov is honestly like a war crime in my book. Uh, Liney's been so bad this year. Gaudreau's been really bad, and just I I don't know. Liney's been an absolute drag um, on every line he's played on so far, and I don't see it getting better. And like the prices aren't free, and there are some dudes who feel like they are free on this slate, and so like I'm just not. Um, I'm just not interested in chasing this into again, like uh, the scheme will be like, oh, it's two garbage teams playing each other. What do you know? The total is going to be high for each of these teams. And it's like, yeah, just, I don't know, just forget about it in my book. But, um, I guess gun to head, give me Gaudreau, but yeah, like, that's yeah, just that's... because I'm, I'm very scared of line a and what he's done this season, which has like been beyond as as bad as Liney has been, like, you know, uh, like impact wise throughout his career, nothing even approaches the level of just absolute, uh, absurdly terrible play that he's had this year. So, like, you know, he's complaining about getting benched, but like, he's lucky he's on the AHL at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, don't hold back, I guess. Um, Boone Jenner is the problem here. It's just a little bit too expensive. But again, I agree with that line. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, Am I really excluding Boone Jenner from it? He and... has 11 points and is their leading point getter. Like, yeah. Like, just don't play this feels... team. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's possible. I, I'm interested. That's the problem is like, I, I am interested in but taking a look at that first line in Columbus and 
I mean, Zach Berensky has just just not gotten there. And, and man, do I do I really want to play him every night? And I have talked myself off it a few times. I mean, he's he's hit blocks bonuses, bonus eye bone. Anyways, but uh, the shots are there and just not coming together. It's like one of these days, though, we're gonna look at fifty eight hundred Zach Berensky, and it's just gonna absolutely smash. And I want to be on that slate, but yeah, I, I hear your point. We we don't have to talk anymore about it. I'm interested in Columbus over Chicago. It's definitely going to be a, a, way, a way to get value and still get some upside. We can move over to New Jersey and Detroit, though. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so Jack Hughes back in the fold. Um, he came back, looked uh, pretty good. Eight shots, a goal, an assist. Team lost to the Rangers, but you know at this point that's not really uh, that's not really an issue. The Rangers have been awesome uh, on the year, and you know scoring that uh, fantasy output against them is honestly quite impressive. Uh, yes, this is a Jamie Ben tweet as well, um, but yeah. So Jack Hughes um, instantly uh, enters consideration. Uh, he was playing in an eleven and seven setup where Nosek got hurt immediately, so the minutes are a bit scattered. But it looked like he spent the most of his time with Eric Howell and Curtis Lazar, which, like, obviously isn't great. Um, but he played with everyone, and, you know, it's it's not overly likely that they, you know, uh, rely on those guys again. Um, so even though he's paired with them yet again, like, I, I think Hughes is a one-off is, is very much in play, I guess is my point. So any interest in, like, Curtis Lazar, though, as this uh, quote-unquote top-line idiot alongside Jack Hughes? No. Okay. Uh, Brett, I do not have any interest in that. I, I mean, it, the first time that that was put into our into our feeds, it was like it's a placeholder for Timo Mayer, and then Timo didn't play. Um, I can't imagine it's going to last forever, but I think it did actually hold for most of the game. I mean, Jack Hughes played twenty three minutes, Lazar played fifteen, so not entirely. Uh, Howla a bit more stapled to Jack Hughes, which which is something, I guess. I mean, it. I don't know. I, I I just I don't have much interest in playing this game overall. I I find it just priced out of considerations on both sides. Um, Jack Hughes would be the one note, of course, ninety two hundred because I don't think many people are going to get there. I I just again I, I can't imagine jamming uncorrelated like if Timo's playing at 5900 I could see it where you, where you play that pairing but other than that on New Jersey it's just too expensive and then on Detroit it, it's even it feels like it's even more expensive like 7800 Larkin I, I just who whom amongst us who was doing it um 7800 to bring cat I, I guess I get it a little bit more just because of the goal scoring ability but it's just too much on this slate so yeah i think i'm a full fade on this game yep um i'm fine with jack hughes like if you have the money and want to pay up for a center i think he's the guy you're going to go for um you know mckinnon probably is better but that's 500 bucks that maybe you don't have it um and i think i prefer hughes over the rest of the 9k range honestly might prefer hughes over kucherov as well 9100 at wing so um i'll keep it in mind you know i don't think i'll have that much money to play with but hughes is the perfect candidate for just one off and say oh well you know one he's gonna play for everyone because again we don't expect lazar to play 22 minutes um so hughes is gonna correlate for everyone it's very possible hughes has even a four point night without anyone getting you know multiple goals or the three point bonus so 
Um, I always like those situations. So keep an eye on it. But um, if they go like 12 and 6, I'm a bit less interested. Uh, should say he sure uh, practiced, yeah. but he didn't practice with the power play. So I'm not expecting him back. But obviously, if he returns, he's uh, also a guy to be considered. He's only 5,800 as well, which uh, would actually be like a very solid value. Yeah, yeah, it's right. good. I mean, I mentioned it, but yeah, no, it's good to mention again because we don't know, but we'll know tomorrow. Rangers and Penguins. Um, as I did mention, we know for a fact Raquel's out and should be out for a little while. Um, I don't think we're expecting Russ to play tomorrow. Um, who else? Who else? Ruedel, uh, Joseph. I mean, just a, a plethora of injuries on the Penguins. Most of them, uh, you know, are of value and of, of, of high note. We don't know the lines yet. So, Start with the Penguins. Are you at all interested in playing some of these Penguins who could see increased roles like your Riley Smiths of the world? Yeah, I don't think Riley Smith gets a promotion. Uh, Gensel and Smith have been pretty firmly left wings for this team. Um, and Raquel and Rust have been the right wings. Um, so, you know, with that out of the way, that kind of makes me interested in Jeff Carter. <laughs> like if Jeff Carter's going to play on the top line, like yeah, he's not Brian Rust, but like Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel have been incredible. It could be Hinnestroza, it could be, you know, a guy off the third line, but honestly, that third line's been playing so well that like I don't think they break that lineup either. Um it's just one of the most interesting situations of the season to this point where Drew O'Connor, Eller and Zahorna were instrumental in them defeating the Golden Knights in a shutout fashion. So, like, are they really going to break that lineup so that they can play with Sidney Crosby, who's notoriously difficult to play with? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, like, I kind of think it's Jeff Carter or, uh, you know, there's, um, I want to say they call up Alex Nylander too, but he's not on the slate. Uh, or Hinnestroza returning from injury. Like, any of those guys, I think, if they're on the top line, I'm interested. Like, you know, no two ways about it. Um, there's two power play jobs also up for grabs too that I don't think go to Zahorna or Drew Connor. So like, you know, if that guy gets a promotion, I think he's also getting promoted to the second power play or maybe even the top power play, but you know, probably not. It's probably going to be Riley Smith on the top unit. Um, so yeah, I'm very interested in the, the value options. As far as stacking, I don't think I want to attack this Rangers team. Um, you know, obviously attacking them with the stars worked on Monday night. So I could just trying to, I could just be trying to cope with uh, what, what you talked about and how we both got, uh, igor on Monday. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I'm not that interested in the Rangers here or sorry, in the Penguins here. Um, how about the Rangers for you? Any, any interest here with their injury situation, you know, picking on them a bit? I am interested in the Rangers here, not okay. to an insane degree. I would say like I I'm finding it hard to click on anything outside of Panarin and Trocheck, but then I also find it hard to pass up on seven K Zabinajad. So man, I, I want to play Zabinajad. I really do. I think that's kind of what it's coming down to for me is do I just say screw it? Like Panarin, Zabinajad, Gustafson, move on. And, and it could happen. I, I'm, I'm not certain on that. I'm not locking that in. I'm not even, this is even financial advice, but I am very interested in that three man. And it's, it's very easy as well to add the fourth. I mean, Kreider makes it a little bit easier because you have that extra wing spot um, and Trocek, of course, but then eat your last center spot. And I don't think Trocek is 
uh, it's like Krochek or Kreider. I guess I side Kreider just because if like that does fully explode on the power play, he's just very instrumental in that front. Um, yeah, I, I think I summed it up okay here. Any questions about what I've said here? No, I think my preferred three men would just be Panera and Trocek and Gustafsson. Um, on a smaller slate, I would be interested in chasing Zibanejad. Like he is going to break out sooner than later, but seven K is like it's not a it's not a great value in general. Like even for like his you know best self, I would say, um, relative to the prices around him, and he's clearly not his best self at the moment. So like while I'm a long-term buyer in Zimbabwean I, I I don't think this is the slate where I'm like trying to like p- play all my cap on the Rangers and saying like oh if the Rangers score six I win um I'm just I'm not sure that a 14 game slate's the right approach um but you know I, I get the sentiment and I do share it on some of these smaller slates coming up so so you're um, you're not playing Blake Wheeler uh, believe it or not i will not be jamming at blake wheeler um okay okay i just wanted to make sure okay that's fine then i mean uh, man's on a uh man's on a mission lately though uh his, his recent outputs six games 13 3 14 8 13 11 3400 there's I, I, been worse plays you've ever made I, honestly it is funny how like he failed the one Blake Wheeler slate that people were playing him and I was like I win <laughs> and then like and then he rattled off like three or four really good outputs no I I agree I mean I I, you know, I bashed the guy but um yeah he yep. is uh, he is being a bit productive all of a sudden yeah another thing ownership's going to be very spread out these large slates scoring tends to be lower it, it just again when ownership's spread out not every player is going to score 20 points so like the times where you get just 10 15 move on from a position is very viable uh, for that reason, Eric Gustafson is of interest to me, 4,400. Uh, still does not have a game without a point since uh, since Adam Fox left the lineup. Now, the last three games have been one assist, two blocks, one assist, one shot, one assist, two shots, one block. Those are all below 10-point outputs. But if you pay 4,400 and get 12 even, like I think you're okay with that. So... You know, I'm not making it a priority, but if I wind up on that money amount, I'm not scared to play Gustafson as a one-off versus, you know, I might be more scared on a smaller slate to say, well, if I'm betting on him, I really should be betting on the power play too. Like, it's just not, um, you know, that that's not something I'm really thinking about on a 14-game slate. I'm just trying to get, like, I'm trying to get yeah. some semblance of just guaranteed points into my lineup, and Gustafson I mean, feels yeah. like that. On the same note, though, it's like, I mean, Latang is in top power play, but he has also been very similar in the productive and better rates. Um, any interest in 4,800 Chris Latang if you're playing Penguins, if you're not playing Penguins? I mean, they are going to lose two defensemen who were at least playing minutes, albeit not the most. Uh, like, is Latang actually going to get more minutes than 25? No, I, you know, 24 and a half or whatever. Probably going to stay around the same, but, you know, 4,800, I think we mentioned it before. Like, mentioning it again, is it of any interest? Um, I mean, it's a good point. I, I, I don't think I prefer that. Um, But, yeah, it's also a matter of, like, I mean, now the power plate, too, is going to be absolutely atrocious. Yeah. So, like, you know, how much are those minutes really worth? Like, yeah, sure, playing with Sidney Crosby at 5-on-5 is, is worth a decent amount, but I'm not that uh, interested in, like, like I think the Rangers could get outshot 40-20. to 20. I don't really see the Penguins getting outshot 40-20, to 20, where it's just, like, 
uh, okay, like everybody gets a blocks bonus, even the guys that don't kill penalties, like Gustafson. Like, I feel like that's at least in the cards for the Rangers. Um, versus like I don't think Latang's gonna be a guy who you're you know oh he's hunting five or six shots in a night like I just don't know how often that happens. Um, so unless if what Russ comes out, the tank goes in. Uh, you mean on the top power play? Yeah, because I guess I didn't yeah, I mean, that. Like we don't know about yeah, Russ. That's a hundred percent, right? Uh, yeah, we don't know about Russ 100%. It's very possible Russ plays, in which case my interest in this game is pretty lacking, I would say, just given the prices. Um, But yeah, if Letang is confirmed power play one, of course, that's of interest. Um, he'll okay. be in the trigger man role, like alongside Eric Carlson. So um, yeah, that, that would be uh, highly interesting. Yeah, yeah ne- I mean, we spent a lot of time here, but I think next game is going to be pretty quick. Uh are you playing Kucherov or are you fading this game? Um, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, it's very, very, very uh, hard for me to see a world where uh, Mark Scheifele 6,600 wins a slate uh, in Tampa, but, you know, crazier things have happened. There's obviously only three guys you really want to play on Winnipeg. Everyone else is even priced up, so it's very easy to X out. Um, if Nino was 4,200, I think you would be considering that, that line because they've been, I mean, they've basically been the star. Like if you've been playing Dallas three, take a look at this Winnipeg three, because, you know, obviously Dallas three is coming up later, but, um, Winnipeg three has also been very good this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the Tampa end of things, it's Kucherov and it's everybody else and it's Kucherov's world. We're all just living in it. Um, he's, he's on a roll, thought he was hurt didn't matter he flexes his knee you know goes in jams some creatine or whatever and he's back on the ice and uh smashing so uh kudos to kucherov um but i don't think this is a matchup i want to be investing in too much yeah uh yep i share the same thought overall uh i think i've crossed this game out myself and i'm gonna be okay and i know tampa can break me and i know winnipeg has Broken many a slate as of late. I don't think it's against Tampa. I think this Tampa team is pretty good, actually. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just hoping Winnipeg can keep the Kucherov point Stamkosis from breaking the slate. And that's what I'm betting on here. Um, but it's not a bad play. It's just not a play I think is incredibly likely to get there. And at the prices, I, I find myself fading it. And moving over to Buffalo and Washington. Are you ready? Indeed. Um the uh the Tom Wilson top power play experiment is over, uh, much to my chagrin. I was I was gearing up to jam in forty five hundred Tom Wilson top line top power play, but we did get confirmation that it was TJ Oshie in practice on Tuesday. So you know a little unfortunate there. I was I was ready to uh you know uh, drink from the drink from the fountain that is Tom Wilson. Uh, just you know having the best time with all my donkey friends, but you know hey, it, it was me. taken from us. It was taken from us far too soon. So. Uh, beyond that, uh, you mentioned Washington's been playing very stellar defensively. Um, it's been mostly goaltending driven, um, and their PK has been pretty impressive. But like you know, yeah. Connor McMichael especially has just uh, been an animal. Um, just you know, uh, limiting things on the power play with his skating and whatnot. Obviously, Nick Dowd's a good PK or two, so maybe you can uh, read that. Um, you know, you can project that going forward a bit more than their five on five competency um but man i i don't know how much i can really invest in this buffalo side um like i think it would have to be through zach benson and jj paterka 
But against Chicago, when they were leading, Benson only played 12 minutes. Uh, he only played 15 against Winnipeg. So, like, I, I just don't know if this is a slate where you can uh, take that sort of risk with your time on ice allocations. Uh, what do you think about this game? Oh, man, I, I was very, very high on Darlene against Chicago, and it was well rewarded. I don't know if I'm going back to the well, um, 6,100, but I do love the price, to be honest. And I, I, I just find it like there's no Tage Thompson. It, like, shit, I just don't know how this Buffalo, like, it's got to be Skinner, I guess you just would say. Like, you would at least think, like, he could be the one that could help you break the slate. And 6,500 Skinner, 6,200 Tuck. And it's like, man, that is so interesting. And then you just remember, there's no Tage Thompson. And, like, I, I love Dylan Cousins. I think he's better than this output. I know he was complaining about how the faith, you know, the, the cage he's wearing has been affecting him and all this stuff. It's like, well, I don't really want to, you know, play a guy that just is not getting there. And um, he's back, both back on the first yeah. power play, though, I believe. It's like you could, you could convince yourself of it, but, like, what's the point? It's just 14 saying- games to pick from. Yeah, here is a damning uh, statistic. Over the past 10 games, looking at expected fantasy points over that stretch, uh, Casey Middlestat has more expected points than mm-hmm. Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Uh, when I that's mean, happening, you are not producing, and you're not likely yep. to produce going forward. So we're going to need to see a pretty major reversal of fortune for Mr. Dylan Cousins before he's in play at any price, let alone 5100 yeah. I absolutely agree. I, I think that you could consider the punt, like you mentioned, but even that feels thin, as you mentioned. So Buffalo feels pretty out. And I mean, you could go to Ovi, you could do it to yourself. You know, it's there. Um, I don't think I'm doing it. I think I'm just fading this game in general. Like I, I actually do think this Buffalo team is better defensively than the, you know, the general public maybe believes uh, statistically, they're not that bad. And I get that like Michael might still be on the first power play, although Kuznetsov wasn't on either unit and they expect him to play. So keep an eye on that for sure. All this ambiguity, though, I'm mentioning just leads me even more into the I think I'm just fading this game myself. Uh, yeah, I am inclined to agree there. Um, the one other thing I was going to mention is that when you sort this slate by like the delta between uh, their actual output and their fan, like their expected it's fantasy output, um, yeah, both TJ Oshi and uh. Ovechkin stand out in that regard like you know you, you scroll through the list and it's a bunch of nobodies and you know like the Brandon Montours played two games like stuff like that where you're kind of like oh, okay I get why that's happening and then it's dudes uh Oshie's the you know the main one you get Svechnikov you get Alex Kalorn you get Dylan Larkin and then a little bit further down the list you get Leon Dreisettle and Ovechkin like those are basically your top five um or top six like among like um I don't know how I'm trying to say this, but like actually useful fantasy players, those are sort of like the main games that stick out and they should be better than this. TJ Oshie 3,400, like, come on, like something's got to give sooner than later. And maybe he just stops doing the underlying stuff. You know, it's very possible. He's not looked good this year, but for the price, it's worth taking a flyer on if you're stacking or if you're playing Ovechkin, like, and you need a other cheap guy, you might as well just correlate them because you know why not? Yeah, he Oshie has one point in fifteen games, and he's been used and he's been shooting more than maybe even last year. Like it, it all, it all, like it all adds up. But like at some point, you might be like, this guy just might not have it anymore. Uh, yep. We can move on to the next game, and I don't think we're going to spend a ton of time on Philly and the Islanders. I'm not gonna say you have to exit out i i don't think you ever exit out the islanders although people do 
Um, I'm more interested on the Islander side myself. It, it is cheap-ish. Um, Dobson is tough to avoid when you're stacking the Islanders, and he's 6,900, and that's why I say ish, because that is getting awfully expensive for this guy, although he is a very, very useful fantasy asset and almost a point-per-game player on the point. Um, Barzal has been a guy that I just continue to come back to, and I think he's just is back. Um, he's been awesome as of late at, you know, five straight or four straight with a point, two multi-point games. And he is shooting. It's not like it's completely just, you know, dish it off to Horvat, like I think many expected, including myself going into this year. Um, I could convince myself, like I'm saying, to consider the Islanders, but not super high in the list. Not in, like not not unexist. Not that they don't uh, they don't not exist at all, though. Uh, I, I do think this Philly team is pretty solid defensively. Honestly, it just seems like that is the case. Um. And they block a ton of shots, and that can just kind of suck some of the value out of them. Um, any thoughts on the Islanders or any consideration at all to follow the Owen Tippett nonstop goal uh, parade? Um, yeah, I don't know. To, to me, this is more a situation of like, don't compare me to the Almighty, compare me to the alternative. And like, while Tippett and Barzell have been very good. Like there is Val Matushkin sitting there at 5,200 and you could honestly tell me he's going to be 80% owned and I'll be like, sure, I'll just play Val over uh, taking a flyer on, you know, uh, Tippett or playing Barzell. Like both those guys have been very good. I expect them to continue to be very good, but this is just not a situation where I'm really looking to play one-offs in this type of a matchup um, with obvious risks with Tippett's minutes and Barzell's um, being Matt Barzell um, against Philly also like, you know, Philly's like you said, been very, very good defensively. I compared Ryan McLeod to a wet blanket in my latest Edmonton article. And that's basically what this entire Philly team is. They're just a wet blanket uh, towards has them perfectly in tune uh, playing very good hockey, but it's not fun hockey. So like, you know, the exact antidote to this Islanders team and Matt Barzell in particular. So yep. it's not something I'm looking to take advantage of on this massive of a slate. So let's move yep. on to the nine o'clock window, St. Louis mm-hmm. at Arizona. Um, unless you had anything else. No, I, I was going to mention Tyson Forrester, but I, I'm not like as a, it really kind of feels like a weight on a smaller slate, uh, but he's been very, very, very useful. Um, the rates have come down a bit, but I think that he's going to continue to, rise with the tide um but yeah it's just 3600 first power play and uh first line with Katerier and uh Konechny. so it just like seemed like a guy to mention but yeah I don't love the game so whatever we can move on to nine o'clock St. Louis Arizona yeah if you were a four-star guy coming into the year it's a good spot I wasn't like um so you know I'm just I'm just sort of like yeah he hasn't been very good so you can put him with Sean Couturier but I, I don't care like I think Sean Couturier is cooked. So like, whoa, it is what it is. Matt, no holding back on this 14 game slate. Now we get to talk about two teams that are the St. Louis Blues and the Arizona Coyotes. So what could he have in store next? We're going to find out right now as Matt talks about Oscar Sundqvist on the top power play in St. Louis. Matt, take it away. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, last game uh, turns out the St. Louis Blues needed something to spice up their power play. Um, and they used Oscar, Oscar Sundqvist to do exactly that. Um, the coach, coach speak liked it. Sounds like it, they're just rolling it right back here. So, uh, yeah, let's, 
jam in 2500 Oscar Sunkfist. He's a useful player in that he's going to kill a lot of penalties. Um, sorry, I'm just noticing my hockey viz thing seems to have just elapsed. Access restricted to subscribers. What the hell's going on here? Are you not logged in all the way? I am logged in, which is interesting. What are you um, looking so for? I'm, I'm looking at the page right now. I'll I'll update I'll update my stuff while you're while you're speaking. I think it's just the the new credit card that didn't. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um. Anyway, Oscar Sunkfist plays um on the PK and obviously now on the top power play. So while he's going to be in a fourth line role, it's not like there aren't paths to him playing 16, 17 minutes, particularly in a game where the Blues you know, uh, very well could win. I wouldn't say should win because they're the St. Louis Blues. Um, But he's a relied upon guy. He is 2,500. He is on the top power play. There are dumber things you can do with your money than saying, you know, this is just one play that I'm holding my nose so that I can get everything else I want to. You might as well pay the bare minimum um, in situations like that. So um, there's not really much in his underlyings. Like he's a relatively weak rate shooter. Um, historically but if he locks his way into a power play point into a few shots or even a blocks bonus you know again he kills penalties um you know you, you're going to be pretty happy with it so look i'm not saying Sunkfist is a good play but like he is in play for sure in my opinion yeah okay there it is thank you for sharing um popcorn back to dj they played boost navich thomas and kairu all at five on five so if that sticks i could consider it for sure um kairu at 6300 is a good price and it's kind of like well man if he just had better line mates and you know blah 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 uh well it did happen last game and if that sticks if i see that tomorrow in practice it's going going to i'm going to add it to my mix um i don't really respect the Arizona team all that much call me crazy they i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say they're useless you know they're not useless they're they're fine they're okay they're very okay i can attack okay um, I can attack it on this late. I wish uh, in some capacity that I was getting power play one Krug or something too, because maybe you just could go all the way or not. It's Perenovich. He only plays 13 minutes. He gets the first power play. He's very gifted offensively, but obviously they don't trust him defensively at all as he doesn't get many five on five minutes. So Thomas Kairou and Busnevich are definitely something to consider on the Arizona side. We yet again, can, um, can I, can I say oh, one more thing? Oh, yeah. One more on thing in. about, uh Sunkfist, especially in that top power play. Um historically Prunovic has not been a shooter whatsoever. Like Tori Krug and Justin Falk will shoot like just you know kind of blindly from the point. Like that's not happening. Robert Thomas, he is not a rate shooter whatsoever. And despite his reputation, Bushnevich also also profiles as a pass first player. So you know, there is very real possibility that making the fancy play, so to speak, could go into Sunkvist's favor. Obviously, Kairu soaks up a lot of shots and should project to soak up a lot of shots. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for, like, reasons to play Sunkvist, that is a very good one in that there are three uh, very passive shot takers on this top power play that theoretically could be looking to make the pretty play to feed sunk fist up front for the just to tap ins where he doesn't need to do anything besides exist all right back to you okay yeah no uh i was gonna transfer over to arizona now if that's okay um i think as far as cheaper stacks are concerned people will be somewhat interested in the rest of arizona outside of schmaltz 
Keller, and of course, Travis Boyd. Couldn't possibly put anyone else there. Has to be Travis Boyd. Um, Mincelli, Bukestad, Kraus, Carconi, Cooley, Zucker, um, Kerfoot, top power play, but fourth line with O'Brien and Kellerman, because I guess that's what you got to do. Did see a lot of minutes, and we mentioned it last time that Kerfoot was top power play and kills penalties. So, like, you, I do think you give yourself a, at least a chance to see some blocks, and you give yourself a chance to get a point, and he's 2,600. It does feel a little bit like where do you land? Like the elite prospect, you know, Logan Cooley, right? 3,900 now, coming down in price. You land on something like that with Carcone. Car- Is it Carcone or Carcone? Carcone. Carcone. I, I thought I was right, but then it sounded weird. Um, do, you, do, you, do you go with the line that actually is producing in Bukestad, Mincelli, and Kraus? Uh, a little bit more expensive, but not breaking the slate. And Lawson Kraus, goal, seven shots last game. That's pretty good. He's at the shots bonus a few times. And do you include a guy that Matt played last late in J.J. Moser? Um, 3,600, power play two, all the minutes. So, yeah, I, there, there's interest here on the Arizona side as well. Uh, do you have a preference? I think I kind of spelled it out for everyone, but do you have a preference yourself? Um, honestly, that there was kind of a concerning to Torini quote. Um, their coach uh, was asked basically about Travis Boyd and Alex Kerfoot, especially, and he basically said, like, you know, look, this needs to be a four-line team. Uh, we, you know, he he made uh, allusions to the schedule. I looked at it. Their schedule doesn't seem that crazy. Like they have off till Saturday after this game and then don't play again until the following Tuesday. So like, you know, it's like one game in five days. Like, so I'm not really sure what he was referring to, but he very much was adamant that like, we need to roll four lines. Um, You know, we need to like basically make sure that even though Keller and Schmaltz will play a lot, that we have like the fourth line, like playing some. And you look at the Kings game and I think it's a little bit uh disoriented because of how many I almost just lost my shit um how many power plays Arizona had I mean this game was just an absolute joke from the Kings um they basically got up and it was just like all right we're gonna go home now um so there was just a lot of uh special teams play and I think that's why like Liam O'Brien didn't play much um I want to say Kellerman got into a fight so like you know that there's just a little bit of um a concern here that that's not uh a team that's looking to feature their star players like Cooley, like Schmaltz, like Keller. Um, and I just, I don't really see a reason to dive in there. Like there's, again, there's so many teams on the slate. Um, so like why take a flyer on the third line, which, you know, doesn't really play much or the second line, which again is trying to fight three other lines for ice time. There's other teams that condense their minutes. There's other teams that are cheap. Um, so this just is not a spot I'm interested in. Okay, there it is. All right. Okay. He, he gives the answer of none. Um, yeah, I was kind of trying to, I guess, say I, I would consider the Kraus and stuff, but uh, also none is fine. None is a good answer. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested in St. Louis and Arizona myself, so you don't have to play both of them together. Uh, those Agreed. are your options. We have another game uh, on the slate. I know you're probably thinking, are we, aren't we done yet? We've still got a bunch. We have the Flames and the Nashville <laughs> Predators next. Um, boy, uh, this this is an inter- it's kind of a, a budding of two different profiles. Where like Nashville, it's so obvious, like Forsberg, Yossi. Gotta just you just gotta say Ryan O'Reilly at this point. Hate I hate to do it, but you have to. Uh, Fifty nine hundred Ryan O'Reilly because why not? Um, on the other side, can, can can I can I add to that? 
I think sure. you gotta say Gus Nyquist. Um, yeah. Watching yeah. the, I mean, I watched the entire Colorado game and on the power play, that man had the puck. He looked good with the puck. Um, like it was very surprising to me, but uh, he was not just a passenger. Like he was actively making plays. Uh, he looked pretty good. This has historically been a player who is a very good hockey player who just, you know, dealt with injuries last year and kind of, I think a late season trade um, coming back from that injury. So he's just kind of been off the radar for a bit, but he seems to have found a nice home with Forsberg and O'Reilly. So, you know, I just want to say we should be considering Nyquist as well. Um, yeah. As like yeah, a, yeah. you know, gotta, gotta consider him. I think if you're considering Forsberg. All right. Okay. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um. So yeah, it, it's just like very easy to see that the board you're playing. It's a 14 game slate folks. Like we're, we're just Parson. It might be on the top power play, but we're just, we're probably not playing you. So Parson, like maybe, you know, 2,800, but come on, he's probably not breaking a slate. Um. I, I like Nashville one just fine. And on the Calgary side, as I was getting to, there are three lines. There are, there's a lot of spread. There's a lot of value on all of them. Um, is there, you know, are you in on Nashville first off? Is there any note you wanted? To, it seemed like you wanted to say something there. And I then um, yeah, I wanted to say that I wanted to say that in the six on five situation, uh, Cody Glass got hurt about two minutes ago, uh, took a nasty like shoulder, uh, looked like. So I think his shoulder is just toast. Um, in any case, though, the guy who was out there in the six on five with Yossi and uh, Carrier defensively was uh, Colton Sissons. So I oh, think okay. it very well could be Colton Sisson Sisson at 3,500. That's pretty gross, but you know, uh, it's not that different than 20 or 3,100 Cody glass the other day. Um, so. Okay. All right. Why not? Right. Um, okay. But yeah, so good, good to know because that gives us a little more insight. Keep an eye on it tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'll retweet them for sure. If I see a power play and Nashville reporters are, eh, they're pretty good. So yeah, Nashville summed up nicely. Uh, if you're interested in Nashville, Matt, let me know. I guess when we get to the the top stacks. But is there a you top just think, stack? You just think Emma's oh. pretty. Don't lie. Oh, honestly, I was. I mean, that was not. I was looking at that Alex guy. That he, he I was to always read the lines. But you're right. Okay, that, that, yeah, that girl you're right. Too. You're right. That uh, Alex uh, daughter. Yeah. I, yeah honestly, he's, like he's I, been I pretty not, good. Historically, Nashville's been awful at getting us information. Yes. So I, I was, honestly, yeah, but right. you're right. Like I they have been, Alex. but then yeah, but then this year they've been really good. Okay. I was trying to give them a nice little thank you for being so good, and I wasn't <laughs> right. trying to be horny like you. All right, <laughs> the, your bonk is in the mail. But we can get over to the Calgary Flames now, <laughs> right. as I've tried to do three times. Is there one line that you're the most interested in? We get to play Calgary Flames roulette on this show now. Yeah, like again, like. I could sit here and make something up, but the answer is just, I don't know. Um, I, I want to say that this Pospisil dude is like, oh my God, now he's on the top power play. But like, at this point, how can we trust it? Like dudes getting benched left and right. Like, you know, Huberto's now playing 20 minutes all of a sudden, like, you know, so, you know, just reading last game, because that's all I can do. I can't choose anything. I don't know. I would be lying to you if I said I knew, uh, the power play was Lindholm, Kadri, Rasmus Anderson, Jonathan Huberto, and Martin Pospisil. Um, that would mean that Lindholm and Huberto are both without line mates on their top power play, and that Kadri and Pospisil are theoretically together. They played uh, about an equal amount with Dubé as he did Zari last game. So, like, you know, the, the Zari carnival ride, I guess, is over, and now it's Pospisil season, but like, 
this team's just a mess. So like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worrying about it personally and just moving on. There it is. Okay. Another, another no answer is a good answer. And I honestly agree. I, 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 again, it's to me, it's Kadri Pospisil because of everything you just said. And I like Kadri didn't get there last game, but he was very prolific. Uh, he shot a ton of pucks wide on the power play. Good for him. Uh, hit the post just didn't happen, but he was useful. Um, expected goals, point six three is solid. I could see why you do it. It's a good matchup. I don't know if I'm going there myself, but that's the obvious way to go. Um, we can move on to Vegas and Dallas if you're ready. Yeah, uh, you know, just staring at 7K Alex Petrangelo thinking, uh, wow, what did I do wrong in my life? Uh, yeah, I don't get it. He just has continued to climb and it's just blocks bonuses because he hasn't had a point in four games. Yeah, he has 27 shots and 30 blocks in his last 10. So like that'll do it. Yeah, that'll, um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, any, I mean, first of all, are you considering playing this game? Uh, as I mentioned off the, the hop, Dallas threw everything in a blender. We're not getting Dallas one for the first time in what feels like, uh, since DFS was inaugurated. I, I really don't know. <laughs> since um, before Jason Robertson was born and it was Joe Pavelski <laughs> and Joe Thornton, like, yeah, literally just, I think, just I think weird. one of my favorite things is when you listen to some old timer DFS guys and they're like, yeah, back on, back on pick draft of uh, dot us i you know yeah. like they just bring up these made-up names like I, what was the <laughs> fantasy aces is like the one that i always think of but like it goes back uh, much draft further. street draft street yeah draft street yeah um it's just like it feels like that was the last time we saw non-jason robertson hints pavelski and i know yeah. that's not true but it just feels that way so yeah all of that to say is there any interest in Dallas at this in this iteration? It's still fully power play one correlated with like Hints, Ben, and Pavelski. Yeah, so despite the line upgrade, Jamie Ben only did play 14 minutes against the Rangers. Um, you know, he, again, he's getting power play time. Uh, he's even killing some penalties. So, like, that seems it kind of seems like Jamie Ben's just reached this point of no return. Um, where like I just don't think he's in play no matter what, and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'll just be wrong and he goes on a run here for the next week or two, and then he's six k, and I'm sitting here saying he's still not in play. Um, but his shot rate is dastardly. Um, yep. and you know if he's not playing minutes, like I just don't think he scares the five shot bonus. I don't think he scares the three point bonus. And at forty nine hundred, I absolutely need to have a guy who can do you know ideally both of those things, but at least one of them. Um, I think it's just right back to the Tyler Sagan while he's still smashing um, playing alongside Duchesne and Marchment. That line has been their best line and it yep. continued against the Rangers. Like they were the only line above break even um, on the game. So like, yeah, I, I just think that's where you go. It's even cheaper than, you know, the Pavelski Ben stuff and they, you know, uh, they should match up well with this Vegas team that is pretty uh i mean i think they're pretty good but like you know can they stop a dynamic matt duchene i'm not really i'm not really convinced they can um i haven't really seen a ton out of the white cloud hague pairing that looks like last season now of course that's largely because they've both been injured and you know are just kind of finding their game this is basically their preseason um so this is a, probably the only time I would say to pick on Vegas, but I think the third line for Dallas should get uh, 
some you know some decent uh, looks here against Vegas. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a few punt options we've given that feel similar, but this is probably the best one. Um, and, and Sega Duchesne Marchment, uh, all power play two correlated as well. If you were wondering, um, we've mentioned Niels Lundqvist before. Yeah. He's basically a poor man's Perenovich. And then it gets like the same play, yep. only maybe worse. So why do it? Um, probably no worse, sense. Yes. Probably worse. So no, no, no sense in bringing it back up again. I do think okay. like it, it, it is funny to be like Jamie Penn, like all this stuff. And he's 300 cheaper than freaking Valen or Tushkin. I know it's kind of a weird uh what what's the term like uh like the put, put stake in the i don't even know uh, uh measuring line measuring stick is valid on your tushkin but like mm-hmm. I, I just no I, i'm not playing Dallas. like you're punting with dallas or you're not i, I don't really imagine many people are going to be jamming vegas either and i think i'm out as well we just talked about how expensive petrangelo is and while maybe he could be doing a little bit better you know, it still feels like Shea Theodore is the guy. I mean, Matt, you were right once again. I mean, Shea Theodore has been awesome this year. Is this a, a slate you're jumping on the Theo Marcheseau Eichel bandwagon? Uh, I, I feel like no is the answer. It's really expensive, yeah, but eighty six hundred for Eichel is. I mean, that's um, like that's really close to these upper tier guys, and I'm just not. You know, I love Jack Eichel, but I said it. Um, like I said it when he was 7,700 and McDavid was 9,700, like, you know, the, these, like Eichel is a worse player for fantasy and in real life, but like, is he $2,000 worse? You know, on a slate where salary matters, like, you know, I, I, I don't think so. Is he $700 worse in a God awful matchup against Dallas? <laughs> I, I, you know, I also find that hard to believe. So I'm just not interested in Eichel here. Um, I could see like a Shea Theodore one-off, you know, these elite defensemen can put slates away without any guy theoretically getting there alongside him. Um, You know, a Shea Theodore is top five in the league in shots and in points. Like I I feel like I need to restate that because it just, like even it gets lost on me too, just because I always been a little disappointing, but like that's the state of the defense position and he has 30 point upside. And, you know, this is a, game where that's unlikely to happen but it's also unlikely that he clears even two percent owned so um if he does it it's a huge separator it's very much in the cards um and yeah this should be a fun game in real life to watch so okay i don't know is that a non-answer enough for you uh, yeah, i feel like you almost gave an answer actually this time which was interesting i wasn't expecting it but that's think I don't think I feel we've like... seen Vegas lines, and and that's something worth monitoring because they've been a little stale. Um, you know, mm. they have the game against Montreal, but otherwise, they lost to Washington, they lost to Philly, they lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, two of those games were shutouts. So, you know, if they if they shake things up, I could be interested in like an Eichel Dorfiev or something where they just go completely yeah, cycle Cotter, mode. Yeah, Cotter got some run with Eichel Marches, so I know. Um, okay. but yeah, I, I I could see I could see a shake up. I definitely yeah, keep an eye on it. You're right. There's there could be another punt play. Um. Mm. Speaking of Montreal, though, they're up next against Anaheim. Uh, Anaheim, I, I was listening to the What Chaos podcast. I'm not sure if you've checked that out yet. And they were like talking about how they kept betting Anaheim to come back in games because it seemed like they did it every time. And then it just stopped, <laughs> which is which is funny. Like, it's like this Anaheim team was just the cardiac ducks. I, I loved it. Um, I think I called them the cardiac quack, actually, which was, which was fun. That's actually pretty good. Okay. There it is. Cardiac quack. And, and like, I... I love watching this Ducks team and they are a lot of fun. And Frank Vitrano, just what a joy. This guy just 
doesn't he, he is kind of reminds me of Evander Kane a bit sometimes when I'm watching him. It's just shoot from everywhere. Let's have fun out here, boys. Who cares? Um Petrano and McTavish are very expensive now. They they are somewhat warranted. It's a good matchup. Are you considering the cardiac quack on this slate? Mm, I think this is a game that is in the consideration set. I, I will say it's very hard to foresee myself paying this much for either of Petrano or uh, Caulfield. So that's sort of where my head's at. Um, but yeah, if you were if you were tracking McTavish and Vitrano were split up last game, they are back together now. They so, are back. Yep, um, yep, yep, yep. I agree to be the ones. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it, it's it's doable. I'm not saying no, but I've based again last week. I turned in my Mason McTavish card, and I just I don't think I get it back um, in this spot. So, um, you know, it's just a little pricey for me. And there are other matchups that I think are going to be similarly. Uh, unexamined from an ownership perspective and that I think can get me, you know, uh, some more outsized reward for, for being right than like uh, McTavish and Vitrano can. So. Yeah. I honestly, and let's just get right over to the other side then, because I, Leo Carlson, we're expecting to play as well, who will play with Troy Terry, and whatever, you know, if you want to do it, it's also too expensive. And I think with less of an upside. So um, it's yeah, cheaper, I would but say, like I said, but, so actually we mentioned the TJ Oshie stuff, like, and we were going through that list of people. Alex Cloyne was on that list. He's been pretty mm-hmm. good. Only has a couple points to show for it. Um, since his return from injury. So 3,500, if you're playing Vetrano and McTavish, like, uh, McTavish will correlate with Cloyne on the power play. I think that one makes sense to make that a three man stack, um, rather than play Ryan Strom. Um, okay. But. You know, just yeah, just a fine. name to consider, and I'm not interested in him to defense at all. They're too expensive for what they bring to the table. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, we, thank you for getting. You finally decided to give an answer when I'm like, ah, "This is bad." You're like, "No, I got it." Um, okay. Montreal, no Harvey Pinard. I don't think he's played in a couple games. Uh, New Hook, Suzuki, Gallagher, Caulfield, Dvorak, Slavkovsky. Could I see myself playing Cole Caulfield? The answer is yes. I love this guy. Could I see myself playing Brendan Gallagher and just screaming from the mountaintops when he gets when he gets 16 minutes? Like just 16. That's all we're asking for. 16 uh, minutes. Please. I don't think it's too much. I don't think it's too much. Like the dude is still a rates monster. Um sure. and like playing with Nick Suzuki is not a bad thing. So, like, please, can can I just have this one thing? Uh, is that is that too much to ask for, DJ, here? No, no. I think you should probably play a couple more minutes. Um, I mean, they got cranked by Boston, I think, to put to put it lightly. Uh, they had a 1.8 expected goals. And there's Gallagher, five shot attempts. Doesn't matter. Uh, just give him a few more minutes. And it's him and Caulfield. Like, there's the shooters, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. maybe Josh Anderson to some respect, but... I didn't mention him in that top six. Um, he's on the third line with Monaghan and Pearson. We'll do with that what you will. Well, he also sucks. Brendan Gallagher. He's also bad. Suck. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You're right. And you're right on that. That That's another good point. I didn't consider the fact that one is much better <laughs> than the other. Um, yeah. They're both incredibly cheap. Cole Caulfield to me is, I don't want to say, I, I, I don't want to make any comparisons that are too insane. Um, he was trending in a direction of a, 
I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to even think of a good example because like he was up there rates wise with your, you know, your posture knocks and your Kucherovs. He's obviously here, not there here. yet. So let, let me help. Let me help. Um, okay. Okay. If only someone extremely attractive and good at writing wrote exactly about Cole Caulfield and some of his uh, made a comparison for him. So let me just read verbatim what I had on him. This, this show is forever and you guys listening are loving it. So I'm just going to keep it going. There okay. It Cole Caulfield. Caulfield's revolving door of line mates has not impacted his shot output, and Caulfield has, in fact, put more of the offensive workload on his plate in 23-24, averaging a I-Core Super 60 at 5-on-5 that is 32% better than his yep. historical rate from the prior two seasons, and ranks him along among the top of the league while maintaining his elite power play shot per- propensity. For a true top-line player of his pedigree, his 13-18 of 5-on-5 lifetime slots in 15 seconds behind David Pasternak's 5-on-5 usage, and his 65% of power play time allotted, Slots in between Kyle Connor and Tim Stutzla, it appears that Cole Caulfield has reached his final form. Now it's just a matter of giving Caulfield some talented players to play with, and the goals will come in bunches. Until then, still expect some positive regression this year as Caulfield is shooting 2.3% at 5 on 5 so far this season. There it is. I mean, that's all the stuff that, that we found it. Are Christian Dvorak and Yuri Slavkovsky <sighs> good enough for you to consider stacking either of them in a Cole Caulfield? That's the problem. That is, I mean, exactly. Like <laughs> it's so hard because I feel like if you're playing Cole Caulfield and you and like you could even say to yourself, no, and I'm not gonna do it. They're both 2800 though. Like Cole Caulfield breaks a 14 game slate, and you're telling me both of these guys at like 2900 Slavkovsky, whatever, both of them are useless. They can't be. So to me, it's probably Slavkovsky. Uh just the pedigree of, of a first overall pick prospect that I don't think is nearly as bad as the media all of a sudden has decided they have to bury the poor lad. Um, is he coming off of a bit of a peak game? Sure. Uh, two points against Boston, you know, scored, assist, whatever. They only scored twice. But maybe this guy just has a bit more in him um, and is playing with Cole Caulfield. So I am considering it. We didn't see power plays in practice. I would be hard pressed to assume he's going to be on the top power play, but could they remove Josh Anderson and move in Slavkovsky and be better? I think yes. So I also so um sorry to, to cut you off there. No, no, Christian fine. Dvorak was a fixture on their power play um when he was healthy like last year, and he's not even on their second unit this year. So I would not be surprised to see him get a bump up um in role to that regard. And when we're comparing Slavkovsky and like Dvorak, I think in a in a vacuum I prefer Slavkovsky, but Hear me out. Montreal uh-huh. onslaught against Anaheim here. Where, you know, Anaheim maybe one of the only teams that we, you know, maybe not based on their play so far, but that coming into the season we would say is, you know, on the level of Montreal. So now we're looking at 2,900 Slavkovsky, 2,800 Dvorak, 3,300 Gallagher. Why not just play all of them and play Nick's or and play Cole Caulfield and play Mike and, Matheson? Yeah. And like, you just say this team scores five goals again. It's not going to be a very high scoring slate unless some, you know, unless Seattle scores like 18 goals, in which case, yeah, okay, like it's going to be high scoring. But like in general, with, with a lot of spread out ownership, comes very low scores. And I think that could be a viable way to attack this slate. Just say Montreal scores a bunch, they're pretty condensed, like their minutes are yep. going to guys like Cole Caulfield. Um, and there's lots of value here. So that that's something I'm chewing on. You know, I'll continue to chew on it, but don't be afraid to get creative with Montreal because we know where their shots will come from. And there's lots of cheap fillers around them to sort of capture that upside. So 
Uh, anything else is. from this game? No, no, we, we could not have covered it more thoroughly. And now Perfect. we move over to a game which I actually don't think will take very long because we've already talked about Baylor and Yertushkin um, and the Colorado Avalanche a bit here. Yep. They play Vancouver. I can't imagine a scenario where you're punting with Colorado. We've mentioned 100 punts, and there's even more to come in the next game. It's Rantanen, it's Nertushkin, it's McKinnon, and it's Makar. And they're all very expensive except for Nertushkin. Do with that whatever you want. Have fun. Do what I did and play Rantanen last late and punch a hole in the wall. Um, play McKinnon, run out of money, watch him shoot seven pucks at the net for no good reason because he's never going to score. You can do whatever you want here. But Nertushkin is easily far and away the best value of the entire night you said it perfectly um Devontae's in play at 4k as well um obviously on a bit of a point heater but if you're telling me a 15 percent Devontae's was up 30 against vancouver i'm probably kicking myself versus like oh if i play him and he sucks it's kind of like well i played Devontae's. like you know this is what i expected um so like i'm not overly afraid of playing Devontae's here but yeah uh kale mccarr down the chushkin might just go right back to that well uh i will not be playing a lineup without that on the chushkin on wednesday night there it is very easy yeah, yeah i mean I, I i sent it in a in a the the, the dgens the underdog dgens chat i was like if you're not betting on your two screen, if you're betting hockey, you're not betting like any of these things. And someone's like goal power play and point. And I was like, you know what? Yes. And he scores on the power play. And it was, that was fun. Like this guy also just on the sports books in general is just not going to be priced correctly again. So do it that what you will. Um, not going to take long here. I'm not playing Vancouver. Okay. Uh, same, same. Okay. Same, same, perfect. Same. There's no changes. There's do whatever you want. Um, I am definitely not playing it. Like, it's not that cheap. It's against Colorado. And I know Colorado is giving up some goals here and there. And of course, Vancouver can luck into any amount of goals that they freaking want. It seems like at times, but you really need an unbelievable performance at this point to, from the, the top power play. It's all incredibly expensive outside of Kuzmanko, who does seem like he's a bit of a passenger. So why don't we move on? Indeed to San Jose at Seattle. Um, no changes for Seattle here. So I think we're just reiterating things we've stressed on Monday. Um, but Jared McCann is 5k. That's about as cheap as we've ever seen him, uh, since he started the school scoring run in Seattle. So, you know, uh, take that for what you will. Yep. Ely Tolvanen, 3,700, uh, blocking a ton of shots on the year, taking shots, um, playing 16, 17 minutes a night, uh, you know, all those dudes are going to get pretty substantial ownership alongside Jordan Eberle. I think you could chase these Vince Dunn points from last game. Uh, that was a very impressive performance from him, I will say. And so while he's relatively low floor, you know, San Jose bleeds shots against and Vince Dunn has not shown a uh, timidness when it comes to putting pucks on goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be lots of good value for Seattle. It's just a matter of sort of picking the right pieces. And do you have preferred pieces in in mind? I mean, I think I'm going back to Everly McCann and Veneers. Uh, I, I, I watched a good amount of that game. I did have that stack and I felt like I had a chance, especially when uh, McCann scored to maybe make a, a, a small wave, a, a splash at least. It didn't end up getting all the way there, but that line just freaking rocks. Uh, and then second to that, Tolvanen is... It just feels like that's who they want shooting on the power play. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching it, everything you see, I, I you have it up right now, his usage on the power play. I'm not sure if you're you're looking at it or not, but 
that does I seem do to not, be the case. But that is absolutely my that was my takeaway coming into the season, and uh, it was a little weak to start the year. I know when I looked, but uh, watching it, it's very clear that that's what yeah. they're doing. He's not on the same power play as McCann. Still, is that is that right? Last game, it was Benir, Schwartz, Tolvinen, Dunn, and Yamamoto. And that yeah. top power play looked a bit more dangerous watching it, yes. for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, on the year, he's had 31% of their power play shot attempts when there he's is. on the ice, which is very good and to very be expected good. playing with Yamamoto, uh, Beniers, and Vince Dunn, none of whom are overly, uh, you know, none of those guys are going to vacuum up shots the way that Tolvin and well so yeah, you can absolutely just play Tolvin and Dunn move on like that that's an option here like you don't like yep. could you play Yanni Gord sure you could consider it but I, I don't think you have to and could you play Bjorkstrand sure but again I think you could just do that uh let's yep. get on out of here we're at the boy uh 74 long, hour uh, mark yes <laughs> uh top stacks guaranteed goals want me to start God. um yeah please do I'm going St. Louis one. I like it a lot. Uh, Robert Thomas, Bustnevich, and Cairo. I've just been waiting for it to get back together. And I just feel like it's going to be overlooked um, on this slate. And tell me if I'm wrong. Is that going to get overlooked? 14 games? Uh, like, it's I not mean, cheap enough. There is it... there is nothing that I think you can stack, like, uh, together that I would say, nope, that'll be too owned. So uh, just yeah. don't play bad plays because you think they're going to be low owned. Um, yeah. And just like, I would say if you like teams, at least check to make sure that like one line's not going to be significantly more owned than another. But like, I think team wide ownership will be relatively flat across the slate. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's not Vancouver against San Jose. It's not Colorado against San Jose. It's Seattle, which has three lines that will, you know, spread ownership pretty thoroughly, I believe. So again, not that worried in how your combinatorics work. Um, so St. Louis, sure. Um, I can dig it. Let's see. I uh, let's throw my hat in the ring with this Washington stuff. Uh, Ovi, just you know, going to be Ovi. Uh, play him with Oshi, and uh, let's assume. Let's assume Kuznetsov plays as well. Forty two hundred. Um, yeah, you know, they, go, they, go they said he well. would. Yeah. yeah they- yeah, so but, uh, keep an eye on the lines. You know, if there's a full line stack there that works between Strom, Kuznetsov, and McMichael, I would be very interested in that at very cheap uh, prices against Buffalo, who I don't think they're very good. Yeah, um, I'm going back to the Colorado well for sure. Uh, I think I'm just going to exclude that from my guaranteed or my favorite stacks, though, because I think we both basically said Dirtushkin is an absolute slam and you can play it all you want. Um, I just wanted to mention it that, like, it's right there. But to get some of those Colorado pieces, I, I do think I'm between Montreal and Seattle. And I think I'm going to go Seattle here because I do like, not that I'm worried about ownership. I really don't know how insane it'll be, but it probably goes to that McCann line. I've kind of fallen in love with this idea of just playing Tolvanen and Dunn, hoping that Tolvanen hits a power play goal. And and it mm-hmm. could even, like I said, he could hit the blocks bonus. Like I know San Jose is not the best matchup, but I think they have a lot of guys that just aren't going to hit the net anyways. So and they kind of have four lines that I'll try to shoot because they don't get any opportunities. I might just roll those two. Um, and, and you could throw in a, you know, if you want to throw in Bjorkstrand with it, whatever. Uh, but I think I, I love the idea of honestly, just even playing like Nertushkin. I know it's not in the same game at all, but like Nertushkin and 
uh, Tolvanin and uh, Dunn, and like saying that that's a nice, cheaper way of, of attacking this late. There it is. Yeah, I, I dig that for sure. Um, and if you're fading, like if you're if you're taking Tolvanin, it's a bet against Jared McCann. Maybe just take a couple of dudes at that price range, you know, Dechushkin and Svechnikov or something like, you know, just like where people building lineups might not come across it. I could see that as being, you know, like 19th level uh, thinking as far as like you probably you don't need to do it. But at least if you're, you know, if you're trying to think of a stack that is theoretically something that uh, played out a thousand times could be plus EV. All right. Um, so I will go with Pittsburgh one. Um, I don't know what it'll look like, of course, but I think there's enough value to fit in Cindy Crosby, Jake Gensel, Eric Carlson, and whoever is on that top line. I'm I'm assuming it's not Riley Smith for these purposes. If it's Smith, I think it's too expensive. It's if it's Brian Rust, it's obviously too expensive. Um, I'm not interested there, but I don't think that it like I don't think Vinny Hinnestrosa or Jeff Carter is so bad to the point where it makes those three dudes unusable. And I think they'll be pretty unowned against the Rangers at home. And um, I think that having the 2,500 value piece, you know, mix in a Nachushkin or you know a Tolvanen uh to fill out the wing slots um like or both I I just think that makes a lot of sense and getting that value doesn't happen often so I'll take advantage of it alongside a resurgent Sidney Crosby who's been amazing this season yes Crosby is back uh guaranteed goals we have quite a few options to pick from on this slate uh at least four there's at least four maybe five um I am taking Cole Caulfield Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So I'm, uh, I was thinking of Gallagher, but of course we don't need to do that. There's so many. There's, there's so many so options. Many. Um. Let's go, Gus Nyquist. Four uh, K. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I. I, I think uh, Nashville at home is is going to be some fun. So let's get Nyquist in there. Um. 7k left for me yeah 7k left for you is is a fact um man i was trying to figure out which i'll go you know what it didn't work last time with zari i'll go pospisil this time oh i'm gonna you're playing playing calgary roulette Uh, get your bets in everybody yes yes pospisil is the the real deal where i this is uh, we are at the perfect time of the season for me to line up to the football and have Calgary pull it right high Eska just pull it right yep. out from under me and me go wait this time for real though right you're gonna hold it I'm ready uh, Pospisil Caulfield Nyquist and Hoobst at seven k ish for you uh, give me Sebastian Aho um, yeah uh, so you know just uh, basically picking on Edmonton um, I don't think rolling out. Uh, McDavid and Drysdale for 25 minutes a night is going to do absolutely anything for this team. Um, they they need to have some sort of structure defensively, and as good as those guys are, they they are not going to find it with those two guys just playing all the time and leaving the rest of the roster to fend for themselves. Um, and I think that Aho should be able to pick on those guys. You know, I think Jordan Stahl and whoever else like can take some of the yeah. load against McDavid. And even if not, again, we, we've seen just nothing but dastardly defense from Edmonton all year and some absolutely awful goaltending. So uh, yeah. no problem. The, wor- here. the word dastardly was really the 
I think that the, the main point of this podcast, I feel like you use that word a lot. And I feel like I use the word a lot and I can't remember what it is now. Maybe you noticed me. I feel like I said one word a lot, though, and I was like trying to remember what I kept saying. I but, don't have anything in mind, but maybe the listeners will come through for us. Yeah, um, if the listener league doesn't have the word dastardly in it, like dastardly 14 games late or something, I, I'll leave it to Jimmy. I don't I don't want to, you know, he's an artist. I don't want to, you know, but yeah. It's, uh, I think Jimmy makes it about 30 minutes through the podcast anyway before he comes up with his. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be to this point when he's making the league. But hey, uh, if, if, uh, it, if that I mean, happens. Hi, Jimmy. We had the, the we had the horny police at about the uh, 60 <laughs> minute mark. So hopefully he yeah, makes it that go. far. Okay, we yeah. can get out of here though. Uh, yeah, no, this is good. Uh, follow, rate, review, 14 game slate. So get ready, pucklet.com. Tomorrow, there's already some stuff kind of there, but not everything's baked into the pie yet. So wait it out. Um, we will be posting. I will be posting, but I will be leaving at 2.30 to drive back to Rochester. So um, it's, I'll try to post some stuff and I'll try to post more when I get home, but I'll kind of be with the folks. So no, uh, what's it called? Stream tomorrow. There, there's the word. Okay. Um, and don't expect anything on Friday. Um I know DJ we talked and uh basically just uh not like gonna be equipped for uh, anything on Friday or Saturday while you're home so um not a big deal and uh we should be back next week uh looks like a pretty normal week Monday's a six gamer but Tuesday's huge so we'll probably just do Tuesday Thursday next week and uh yeah keep rolling into December so anything you want to say before we close this out uh no, just uh, bet on hockey and absolutely punch holes in the walls when they don't give you the shots on goal that you're awarded. That's all. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay. All right. Uh, make sure you check out my newsletter. Um, it's tagged in my uh, Twitter and in the link uh, or in the description of this podcast. And thank you all for listening. I'm at Fake Moods. DJ's at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. And the podcast is at Morning Skate Pod. From Doug, from DJ, from myself. Happy to everybody, and we will see you.